Hi there, everybody on the uh, podcast, and some people still use Zoom, so we still uh, have a Zoom channel here, so thank you for coming on. Uh, this week's Parsha, Parsha's Vayechi. Parsha's Vayechi is the end of uh, the book of Genesis, the book of Bereshis, and in a certain sense, it's the end of the um, all the preliminary stories to when the Jewish people are actually born, which comes out of the Exodus in, in Egypt. So it's the end of the forefathers, a story of Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Leah, and Yosef. So there's a lot of real uh, cryptic, mystical uh, ideas that are really to help the Jewish people forever, because it's it's the it was it's the legacy that Yaakov was leaving the the twelve tribes, which is essentially the beginning of the Jewish people, and Yosef is the next person in that in handing over of the of the leadership. So there's a lot to learn. In chapter forty-seven, verse twenty-nine is a famous idea, which I think a lot of people are aware of, but don't even realize the actual source of it. So in chapter 47, verse 29, Yaakov realized is that death is imminent, and he calls over Yosef, because Yosef was the most second to most powerful man in the world at the time, very well connected, and Yaakov really wanted to be buried in Israel, and he knew that things left alone, he would be buried in Egypt. And he knew that there'd be a lot of political problems and maybe some religious problems. So he called over Yosef, and he actually made Yosef promise. He made him swear that he would bury, do whatever he could do to make sure he'd be buried in Israel. But he uses an interesting word, two words. He says... I'd like you to bury me in Israel, and he calls it a chesed shel emes, a true kindness. Now, in many communities, there's something called a chevra kadisha, which means the society, the group of men and women who take care of all the the uh, final respects to someone, someone Jewish when they pass away. And in many communities, it's called the chesed shall emes, the kindness of truth. So Rashi says, why is this called the chesed of truth, the chesed shall emes? Because a, when I do you a favor, when you do me a favor, as sincere and as wonderful as we are, we all often have a little tinge of, you know, what's the kickback going to be? You know, if I do them a favor, they're going to help me, maybe I'll and maybe I don't even want anything back. Maybe I just want appreciation. But when a person helps someone who has already passed away, they know that that the person is not going to be able to even thank them. And that's why Rashi says helping someone who passes away is the quintessential um, kindness, the perfect type of kindness, kindness with, which is completely sincere with no expectation of anything back. So that's what Rashi says. So all the great uh, Musser commentaries, the books on character development, they 
focus on this. And they say, you know what? Yes, it's a great thing to be a part of such a society and to attend funerals and do anything you could to help those who pass away. However, it's something that we should strive for in our everyday life. There's so much kindness that we do, and we're doing it anyway. And the more sincere we could be, not only is it better for us, but the people feel it. And we engender so much more uh, love when a person feels that the, per that the person doing it is, is really just out for them. I saw one of, the great, uh, one of the great commentaries. I forgot who it was. He says that, think about parents. Parents do so much for their children. Uh, people do so much for family members and the students. We do so, so much to try our best, not getting neurotic, without going crazy, but to uh, try to, you know, we're doing it anyway. Try to be as sincere as we can. And I would have said, I guess for parents, it's probably not that hard because not that I am, you know, there are people who have been parent a lot, a lot longer than me, but, you know, especially when kids are little and even when, I guess, sometimes when they're older, you don't... Uh, we uh, rarely, if ever, uh, appreciate uh, properly or at all what our parents do. So in that way, parents may have this uh, a little uh, easier. There's a story with uh, the famous Kabrina Rebbe. He was a young child, and they used to have a lot of guests at their house. And there was one particular Shabbos when there was very difficult guests, and his mother, the Rebbe, he saw that she was just getting very frustrated with these guests. They were just really being difficult. And he said in a very sweet, uh, I guess, naive, hopefully not naive, but appropriate way, he said to his his uh, his mother, you know, why are you getting frustrated? They're making you do this kindness out of pure sincerity, because now they're not even saying thank you, and they're being obnoxious. And obviously, you know, it's hard, but the idea is true. That when we that uh, for our own self development and really to engender love love and friendship in, in others when people feel that we're sincere and on the contrary you know we, we know there's almost nothing worse than when someone does you a favor and you don't really feel they're sincere about it, it actually is almost sometimes you're like you know would you just not do the favor so that is the idea we learn from Yaakov's the way he requests it from his son Yosef. Now, Reb Shamshnerthal Hirsch, who was a the, the leader of German Jury and the certainly in the mid 1800s and really I believe into the 19th, into the 20th century, he says an interesting twist on this. A different point than Rashi says is there are many different reasons that a person sometimes will do an act of kindness to someone. Sometimes it comes from a emotional. Uh, a merciful spice, uh, space, I see you in pain, I can't handle it, so I help you, or, um, which is not the highest level, it's good, sometimes it'll, it'll be from a more of a physical, I see you're having a hard time, sometimes it's more spiritual, there's many different things that could be my motivation for helping you. And says Reb Shamshin Hirsch, it's really important that when I help you, that it be a true kindness. Example, my, uh, I don't know, let's say my seven-year-old wants to have uh, soda every single night at supper, right? So on the one hand, I could think, well, I'm being kind. Wow, look how generous I am. I'm loving him have soda. On the other hand, 
that's not a true kindness because that would be something that's not really good for him. And it says of Shalom Shemfal Hirsch, he really teases it out in a very beautiful way how we really have to think when we help people that we're really helping them. We have to take into account their spirituality, their physicality, their emotional needs, their financial needs. There's so many things that you sometimes might think would be helpful for someone and they're not. On the contrary, sometimes you might think that something's not helpful and it really is. And that's what a true, true kindness is. And we all know people like that. Sometimes the people that we feel are the nicest to us and kindest and most kind to us often are people who on the surface may, may not seem like they're the most generous or giving, but they may actually really care about us and, and, and maybe help us or not help us in ways that uh, we really need. And, that, and that's a real challenge in life. And, but, but that's the high level. Uh, and people appreciate it long term. I, know I, I haven't been in education uh, that long, but I've been in education for in some form or another for about 20 years. And uh, I've already had the few nice opportunities when someone comes back to you and they say, you know, you didn't realize you did that, you didn't do that, and that was helpful. And uh, just encouraging um, for the future when we take the time to be thoughtful in the way that we do uh, our kindness. So we have the famous blessings of Yaakov. He's about to die. He calls all his children around. A lot of famous uh, Jewish images. We have a lot of the animals. We have uh, the Naphtali is uh, compared to a deer or an antelope. The tribe of Benjamin compared to a wolf. And you have Judah's like a lion. There's a, a lot of famous imagery comes from this uh, section. And a lot of very deep ideas about the history of that it's actually being forecasted. In fact, it says that Yaakov was actually going to tell his children when Mashiach was going to come. And uh, that, that much did not, not end up happening. But uh, just to take a look at a few of these um, blessings. So he goes through his children, pretty much in age order, not completely, but more or less. And when he gets up to Shimon and Levi, right? Shimon and Levi were his uh, second and third son. They uh, did a lot of uh, intense activities. They killed out the whole city of Shechem together. There were numerous other times they were known for their, uh, I want to call it troublemaking because we're talking about very high-level people, but uh, I would say intense activities. So in chapter 49, verse 6, chapter 49, verse 6, in that, give me a second, it says over there, um, oh, sorry, verse 7. Aror apam, cursed, simply put, is their anger, because they responded in, to some degree in a, in a, in a rash way to uh, certain circumstances. So Rashi says, okay, he was just saying, you know, you've got to work on your anger. But Rabbi Katz from the Rashiva and Tells in Cleveland, he says an interesting twist. I don't think I ever saw this before. The word that Torah uses for anger, there's various terms, numerous terms that are used to define um, anger. And the word here used is af. Now, the word af in Hebrew is also nose. So what is he saying? He's saying, telling his children, make sure 
that you don't be too haughty. Don't when a person has their nose either actually in the air or figuratively in the air, but really it does happen. A person actually can put their nose in the air and that can be humiliating to other people. It could be belittling other people. It could be haughty. It could be hurting them even if they're not there. Someone mentions their name and you kind of have a, you know, not uh, most pleasant reaction. So he was telling them that uh, the challenge of the, a lot of the situations that they dealt with that weren't necessarily dealt with appropriately, it was there was something deeper than anger. Because anger itself, you know, we all have anger to some degree, and people have to be careful with their anger. But you have to understand what uh, is commonly quoted, uh, Rabbi Dr. A.J. Tversky of Lesson Memory. He said, a lot, when you want to deal with an issue you have, it's important to understand the root of it. Where does it come from? And uh, Rabbi Katz said that um, a lack of, of humility is often the reason why someone might get angry and then make some very uh, not wise decisions. Move on to Yehuda. Now Yehuda has a, there's a lot about him because Yehuda's uh, peace in history is huge. Yehuda is the leader of the Jewish people. Yehuda are the kings, the King David, King Solomon, Mashiach is ultimately going to come from Yehuda. Yehuda is a very, has a very prominent uh, job in the, in the Jewish people's history. And is an interesting, a very cryptic line that Yaakov says to him. He says, that Yehuda, you are red-eyed from wine, and white-toothed from milk. Simply put, Rashi says that the area of, of, of Israel, which is, which is, is true, is, is very, has plentiful of grape vineyards, and there's lots of wine, and there's lots of, of animals that produce lots of milk. That's simply what Rashi says. But the Gemara in Subis on page 111b says that what it means is you should show your teeth, show the white of your teeth, and that is better than milk. When it says your white tooth from milk, homiletically that means when I smile, you see the white of my teeth. So when a person shows the white of their teeth, they smile, that is better than giving someone a cup of milk. What does that mean? So Rabbi Victor Miller, of blessed memory, passed away about 20 years ago, lived in Brooklyn. Great, great man, very insightful. He has thousands of lectures. You probably can find them online. Really fascinating writer and speaker. He says, imagine the following scenario. Imagine you're walking down the street, let's say in Providence, Blackstone Boulevard, wherever you are, New York, the, a big thoroughfare, a lot of people walking down, and it's the summer, and there's this um, good Samaritan there, and as anyone's going by, he goes and he takes a cup of milk and he brings it to them. He says, here, have a fresh cup of cold milk. And he does this all day. Now you would say, wow. What an amazing person. He's making sure everyone is healthy and, and, uh, and hydrated. And what a smart, it's, it's even better than water. You're getting little protein and everything. He says, do you realize when you smile at someone, now Miller was famous for looking into science and 
using it as a way to understand the, the Torah. He said, when a person smiles, it stimulates all the glands in their body, and then they produce the proper amount of secretion in the most efficient proportion, and it creates this intricate process and makes every part of your body be optimally moving. I'm sure there's anyone who's a doctor could understand that a lot better than I do, but that's fascinating. He's saying, when I smile at you, I'm actually providing you with physical nourishment greater than a cup of milk. And milk is like the quintessential healthy drink. I don't know if that's still what everyone says today, but when I was a kid, something healthy to drink was you had a cup of milk. Um, and that's what Miller says, encouraging us to the how, how important it is. We all know, and this that's, that's in a physical sense. But certainly we know in an emotional sense, in a spiritual sense, how, you know, I'm sure we all could think of days where we were really down and out and someone gave us that smile and it either changed our day or it got us through the day. And we probably could think of times when we did that for someone else. And uh, it's not an easy thing to do, actually, but it is easy, but it's cheap, it's free. And uh, we all know how good it feels when we do it. It makes us happier. It makes other people happy. And uh, it's a tremendous kindness. Uh, you know, you ever been to an event and you don't know anybody, and all of a sudden someone comes over to you and is friendly and smiley. It's great. And you don't have to be the most most vivacious person in the world. You know, you know, everyone has different personalities. To 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 make to be friendly in your own way, uh, and smile in your own way, um, is uh, greatly appreciated. You know, I, I could tell you myself. You know, uh, um, you know, I, I I can be a little more on the uh, I guess extrovert side of things but uh i i know plenty 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 of people who uh with all types of personalities who are able to uh to do this and uh we all can do it in our own way in fact of israel salanter the great uh, founder of the modern day muster character development program in most most rabbinical colleges today he said that we know on uh, the time of tshuva, by between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the ten days of repentance. And you can imagine, he was so salanter, uh, he professed, I'm sure, vehemently how intense the time is and how people have to pay attention and, and do and, and, and be serious. But he, during those, those ten days, he used to exhort people, make sure that your intensity and your soul focus of doing tshuva does not come at the cost of your friendliness to other people. And I could say that's a challenge. We all know it's a challenge. Sometimes we're busy doing something and we really are trying to stay focused and it maybe is a serious thing, but person, uh, you got to try our best to not have a, we all, I think we, we have people in our lives. We have, I know I have work, I have things that I'm doing in the community and then you come home, you know, your kids, they don't, they don't need a, they don't need all that stress. I try my best, you know, come home and just uh, just, just to be there. A couple more ideas. Um, then we have another famous set of blessings where Yaakov calls over Yosef's two sons, two of his grandsons. And they're from Yosef, and Yosef was the next leader. He was the leader. And... It says in chapter 48, verse 20, 
there's a really a whole piece there. It's really moving, very moving. I recommend reading it. I recommend reading this whole parsha. I recommend reading all all the Torah. But one thing it says it says he so Yaakov blessed them on that day, saying. By you, Ephraim and Asha, my great, my grandchildren, the Jewish people are going to bless themselves, invoking your names in the following way. And this is the blessing that parents give to their children on every Shabbos night. This is the words we use. And this comes from Yaakov's uh, instruction. He said, when people are going to bless other people, the following words are the appropriate blessing to give your children. And here they are. Yesimcha Elokim, may God make you Kefrayim Vichemanasha. So I the blessing for my children is I'm blessing you to be like Ephraim and Manasha. So what does that mean? And then right after that, in the verse actually finishes up, and he put Ephraim before Manasha. Now Manasha was the older child. What is the Torah telling us here? I'm, I'm telling you forever, when I bless my children, say you, you children should be like Ephraim and Manasseh, but the Torah makes it a point to say that the younger son um, was, was preceded in the blessing before and given more uh, prominence um, than his older brother. So I remember uh, years ago, I don't remember exactly where I saw it. I remember, definitely remember Rabbi Fran talking about this. But there's a lot of discussion. What exactly was it about Friam and Asha and about this interesting, famous idea they all have in the uh, all the kindergarten and nurseries? They have the famous project with Yaakov uh, crossed his hands, put his hands on top of his grandsons. And the question actually is asked: What was Yaakov doing? Yaakov just had this whole soap opera. Well, that's appropriate to say for this, but this whole drama. Um, with, you know, there was jealousy amongst, to some degree, amongst his children for Joseph because there was some sort of favoritism. And here we go again. Not only is is, is Yaakov singling out Yosef's kids, but even in Yosef's kids, he, he's kind of reversing the order, and isn't that showing some, some sort, sort of favoritism and going to maybe possibly cause some jealousy? Why would Yaakov do that? What was he doing? And the Torah makes a point that we should notice that he did it. So how could that be? So, and there, and if we understand what was going on, we can understand why Yaakov said this, bless your kids to be like a Ephraim Menashe. So the explanation I heard or saw, whatever it was, is that when is there no jealousy? There's no jealousy if I appreciate myself. I know my talents, my skills, my life circumstances, and I like it, I value it, I realize its importance. And then if you also feel that way, I have my space, my role, my talents, my skills, my deck of cards. If we both understand and we appreciate and we value, we have the self-respect and self-esteem to to, to feel that way about ourselves, then I'm not jealous of you. You're not jealous of me. And then there may be times where, you know what? I'm the younger brother 
and you're the older brother, and the older brother is understands the talents of his younger brother, and he's not jealous because he knows his role, and he knows his role, and they're happy for each other. And in fact, in this particular dynamic, Ephraim was the leader. He There were his deck of cards and his role in the Jewish people was in more of a leadership role, perhaps more of a prominent role, not more important. Everyone has, everyone, everyone's uh, life is just as important as someone else's, but we all have different roles. And, and Yaakov recognized that. He said that Yosef did a perfect job with his children. And he knew that. And he said, he was, he was telling people for generations, you want, this is a blessing to give your kids. Give your children the feeling that they are important for who they are and help them understand their personality, help them understand their skills and appreciate their life setting and their family and their school life and friends. If that is the number one gift you can give to your children. And, he, and that's what Torah says specifically because they demonstrated that with the perfectly being comfortable in their skin, Ephraim and Menashe. It was a beautiful explanation, but I saw another explanation. Ephraim and Menashe were the first of the Jewish family, you could say when the Jewish people started, but certainly the first of the Jewish family here to grow up in a not Jewish neighborhood, to grow up in exile. Yosef's other brothers, they all lived together in Israel. And during this whole time, Yosef's in a strange land, undercover in a horrible society, maybe with someone like ours today, I don't know, but very decadent, immoral, certainly into idol worship and to inappropriate relationships. And certainly we know they ended up enslaving the Jewish people. Not a very good place to be raising your family. And Yosef... In the, in the face of all that adversity, was able to raise his children to, to grow and be these amazing people that they became with that adversity. And that is the blessing that Yaakov saying. He said, you know what? This is it. From here on, the Jewish people, they're going to be here in exile for many hundreds of years. Then we're going to go to to, the, the, to, to Israel, and for a very short period of time, very, very short, pretty much we, we're going to be having adversity for as long as people are alive until Mashiach comes. And he says that a great blessing you want to give your children is that they should be able to know who they are and be strong and to, and to stick to their values, even when they're not in the cocoon, the sheltered cocoon of, um, of their home and and community, and that is a a must and a gift which we have to give our children, the blessing of our kids, that life is not going to be easy. And we have to give them the life skills to know how to deal with. It doesn't mean I had a parent once who said to me, he's like, you know, he was like flirting with, you know, how to raise his children, wasn't sure, how religious. And he said, wouldn't it be a, a better for my kids if I just exposed them to everything in the world so they'll learn how to deal with adversity. So I said, yeah, well, your kids aren't going to make it. That's not what parents' job is. Parents' job is to kind of healthily help them deal with all the many challenges that life's going to send you without you creating 
uh, your own challenges for them. You know, it's like, uh, so, um, and the, the Talmud talks about that at length. Okay, uh, eight o'clock. Then we can do a few more and then we'll do a wrap up. So, um, okay. So we have this chapter called The Blessings of Yaakov, the Birchas Yaakov, the blessings that Yaakov gave to his children, his last will and testament, if you will. And what does he do? He calls up his son, Reuven, and he ranks him out. He says, you're impulsive, you're fast like water. And he calls up his next two kids, Shimon and Levi, and says, you guys get angry too much, you're this, you're that, you fight. And there's no blessings there. It's just critique after intense, humiliating critique. And the question is, how is that a blessing? And the answer is, we know that there's no blessing, similar to what we said before, but in a different vein, than a person um, becoming aware of the things they have to work on. We know, listen, uh, we all we all pretty much, we probably don't know well enough, unfortunately, all the things that we're good at. But we certainly, if uh, we, we like to, it's natural to shy away from looking at the things or even not noticing them at all, things we have to work on. And when someone can care about us enough to tell us, um, and it makes them vulnerable, you know, uh, to, 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 to tell us the truth about something we have to work on, there, there's no greater blessing because now I can grow. Now I can become a better person. And it's, it's no greater blessing than to have that in one's life. And uh, we all know that. Uh, hopefully we're all blessed to have people in our lives who care about us enough and we make ourselves open enough that people will actually say something to us. Um, and uh, that's why they're called a blessing. One other interesting thing, too, I would just say, and I'll close with this and then we'll recap. So in these quote-unquote blessings, when it talks about Ruvain, it says that he's pachas kamayim says that he is he has water-like impetuosity. I said that wrong. But he's impulsive. Um, and he's saying that so many times, mistakes, this is common knowledge. We know someone's upset, you count to 10, you're upset, wait till tomorrow. We have so many different adages about how when we're impulsive, we make dumb mistakes hurtful mistakes, words we can never take back, texts we never could take back, emails we never could take back, and Ruben, and that this is pretty much the first message that, now again, Ruben heard this, but everyone else heard this. And um, certainly the title of his class is to love our neighbors. Uh, there's a lot of love in neighbors that would still be there uh, if we, uh, to myself, just as much as anyone else, if we weren't as impulsive. But the beautiful thing, which I think we see in all the parenting books today and all the teacher books today, which we've had for thousands of years. And what does Shimon and Levi hear from their father? He's telling them, you know, serious critique. What does he say? Accursed is their rage, for it is intense, and their wrath, for it is harsh. What is that Yaakov doing? He's not leveling them. He's talking about their behavior in this third-person removed way. 
Cursed is their anger because it is like that, not them. We all know that uh, that that's the one of the most devastating things you can do, and most incredible things you could do is to is to um, you know make someone call them a name. You know, tell someone you are lazy, you are dumb, you are good for nothing, you are a that 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 could kill someone for life. And we learned that Yaakov, Yaakov, as straight as he was being, and as as true as his critique was, he. Uh, he made it his point to be very careful and not level the person, his sons, as he said it. So quick review. We talked about the chesed shal emes, how important it is when we do kindness to make sure that we're not looking for a kickback. We're not looking, we're, we're actually sincere. We just want to help. We learned from Rabbi Shamshan Rafal Hirsch that when we give, it has to be a true giving. It's really good for the person. Make sure it's good for their spiritual, their physical, emotional, financial, everything. Make sure it's not just this emotional or merciful giving, which really may not be uh, the best thing for the person. We learned about how a person has to be careful to understand why sometimes the person acted of anger. Often it might be coming from a lot of having your nose in the air and not being humble enough. We learned from the Gemara Subis, that a person, the power of smiling, how amazing it can help a person, even physically, and certainly uh, can build a person up, can change a person, and how we have to be careful if we're involved in something serious, that that may not be what someone else needs, not their problem. If I have a stress and I should try making my business to try to smile and be friendly to them, um, even when we are involved in something very, very uh, serious. We learned the beautiful blessing that Yaakov gave his grandchildren and really gave all of us to give to our children and for all of us that when we, there's no jealousy when we appreciate ourselves and then we can be happy for other people and they could be happy for us. We also learned how tremendous gift the person needs to give to their children is the gift of being able to be who they are even in the face of adversity. We learned how impulsivity, impulsivity can really be a tremendous destruction in relationships and really with anything, and how important it is to when, even when you have to critique, make sure you critique the action, not the person. And lastly, we learn from the labeling of, the, of this chapter of the blessings of Yaakov that the greatest gift you can give to someone else is to help them work on things that are challenging for them and really for ourselves if we can make ourselves into people that people that we, we, we want to hear from other people when they have something constructive for us and that we, we make ourselves the kind of people that people will feel comfortable saying to us that. Uh, so I can tell you, I'm rabbi and um, people will come to me about a particular issue and it's, let's say, I don't have a formal congregation, but in my, uh, in things that uh, fall under my, my purview, and they'll say, can, you know, Rabbi, can you talk to that person about this? Can you do something about this situation? And so often, you know, I try to deal with things in as in a wise a way as I can. But so often, the reason why I can't say something is because and I'm coming out the same way. I'm not uh, pointing fingers. But it's because I feel that the other person wouldn't necessarily be uh, receptive to what I'm saying. And it's a beautiful thing when someone is the kind of person who, uh, and we'll strive to work on ourselves to be those kind of people. So a beautiful Shabbos. Thanks for coming on. And uh, definitely, 
this is a parsha to definitely try to at least read through the the uh, the English. We should be blessed with all the blessings that Yaakov gave his children and grandchildren. Chavis.